And now, Arden Sports Incorporated presents the Squared Circle Collection. Welcome everyone to the Squared Circle Collection. I'm your host with the most, MJR, welcoming you back for another edition of the Squared Circle Collection. This one coming to you April 6th, 2020, but actually being recorded immediately following WrestleMania 36. WrestleMania Night 2 has just ended, so I thought what better time than to jump on here and record a little podcast, share some discussion, share a little insights about the last two nights of WrestleMania. I've got a drink ski in hand, a little Captain and Coke. I encourage you uh, to get a little beverage of your own as well. Let's say cheers to a very jam-packed weekend of WrestleMania for all of us fans. The show went on, and so we raise our glasses to the WWE, to everyone involved, the performers, the talent, the crew, uh, production staff, you name it. They put on two nights of entertainment for us, the fans. So we say thank you, we say cheers, and now let's sit back together and uh, sip on these drinks while we talk about what unfolded over the last two nights of WrestleMania. Of course, on night one, which was Saturday, April 4th, uh, I think a lot of us weren't too sure, you know, what to expect going in. I heard someone say a few days leading up to the event that, WrestleMania 36 was like a a train wreck that had already been filmed, right? With WrestleMania being filmed uh, at some point about a week early. And they said that WrestleMania was like the train wreck that was already filmed. And we were all just waiting to be able to have a live, like a stream given to us to to watch it unfold live uh, before our very eyes. And, you know, if I'm being honest, I don't know if I ever shared that same mentality going in. I, I didn't expect a train wreck. I think I was just not expecting much. Obviously, you know, trying to stay uh, cautiously optimistic about the way that Vince and company would, would put this show on over two nights with no fans, with the, the closed set, you know, out of the performance center. I, obvious, I obviously knew that, you know, it would be very different from what we've expected over the last 35, 36 years. That's a given. I knew that WWE was going to still try to do their best to entertain the fans. I mean, if you're going to push through with the Super Bowl of wrestling, you're going to obviously put forward your best efforts. So I was never expecting a train wreck. I just was cautiously optimistic while at the same time keeping my expectations low. Uh, and that's in no, you know, nobody's fault, no, nobody to, to blame. It's just this was the the cards that were dealt. And I think we had to look at it this way moving in. I know a lot of people were angry with the WWE for moving forward, for for not postponing an event like this. And I get that, you know, uh, especially as we sort of unpack the two nights and we look at some of the WrestleMania moments that a, a bunch of the talent had, you know, it certainly was sad to see that those moments unfolded in the absence of fans. I get that. I know that that was a huge reason why a lot of people wanted to postpone the event. Uh, But with that said, you know, the show did go on and taking that away, I think that we can't take much else away. I think it was an action-packed two days worth of show. I want to get right into it. I want to break down each of the matches, you know, just to sort of share a few high spots, my thoughts about how it unfolded and looking forward maybe to some future storylines 
and and overall what this might mean uh this two night two nights of wrestlemania what it might mean for wrestlemania moving forward so let's go back to night one, which was the Saturday night show. They broke down the card right away as we were in the pre-show moving into uh, the three-hour main show for Saturday night. And uh, I was expecting you know, a lot of entertaining spots, and I was not disappointed. You know, the way it started with, with the idea of, of WWE still wanting to, to hold the show so that, as Triple H said – they could do what they do best, which is entertain. They could put smiles on our faces. Uh, I, I love that going in, and it was a surreal visual. You know, I know on Twitter there was a lot of uh, commentary about the lone fan that was in the building, which was the ceiling fan that was very sleepily spinning above the ring, uh, which was hilarious to see. But what a surreal visual. And the Saturday night started with a one-man commentary booth. Michael Cole took care of business by himself for the pre-show which featured uh drew gullick versus uh cesaro and i thought that was a nice hard-fought contest you know it was a short one but it was a hard-fought hard-fought contest cesaro picking up the win with not just an airplane spin but a no hands airplane spin Uh, i thought that was totally rad it made me actually uh a little bit sad in the way of you know just seeing the, the cesaro do his thing and i always was a fan of cesaro going back to when him and Tyson Kidd were doing some stuff. I was really hoping, you know, some type of new creation that was building off of the old school Heart Foundation was uh, was being built toward. And of course, we never got to see that. And in my opinion, I feel like Cesaro's just kind of been floating around, and they didn't really ever know what to do with him. So I get a little sad when I watch Cesaro on WWE TV, but that's just because I'm a huge fan. I think he's so talented. I think he's got a good look. And uh, I unfortunately have to agree with so many fans and people in the in the business that just can't figure out why Cesaro can't you know catch a break, why he's not connecting with the fans. But that's neither here nor there. Pre-show successful contest for Cesaro, and then we moved into the main show, which got started with what I thought was a very classy introduction from Stephanie McMahon, welcoming everyone, you know, offering that glimpse of hope during these uncertain times. Just a class move by Stephanie, by the McMahons, by everyone associated with the WWE, followed by a nice little uh, rendition of America the Beautiful, which was actually like a montage of celebrities from over the years, you know, performing uh, to start the show. And I thought that was a nice touch too. It got me a little emotional, you know, watching the, the days gone by, Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, uh, for me personally, love seeing boys to men, the throwback uh, to them. Just some really cool, classy stuff from the WWE to to get a nice positive vibe going as we headed into the main show, at which point our host, Rob Gronkowski, of course, being joined by Mojo Raleigh. Those two are good, good friends. So we figured Mojo was going to be involved in some way. And I just love the way Gronk started off saying, you know, there was no better guy to get the party started on a Saturday night and keep it going for 30 plus hours until Sunday uh, and beyond. I thought that was a funny touch. Uh, nice little uh, nice little commentary there from, from Gronk. Uh, but either way, JBL now joining Michael Cole, turning it into a two-man commentary booth. I thought that was a right call. It established a, a solid commentary pair. I feel that the two have a good history together in JBL and Michael Cole. So I was happy to see that. 
And then we kick things off officially, WrestleMania 36, with a tag team match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship with the champs, the Kabuki War- Warriors, Asuka and Kyrie Sane, defending against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Uh, maybe it was just because there was no crowd. I've never realized how loud the performers could get. Or maybe that's just because we were watching Asuka, uh, the Kabuki Warriors, very, very loud to my ears. I had to turn the uh, the volume down, but I'm not complaining. I'm a wrestling fan, so it's all part and parcel. But I thought it was pretty comical just how loud um, you know the Kabuki Warriors were throughout. Uh, great matchup to start things off. I thought that Nikki Cross stole the show. Uh, I thought she arguably had the greatest showing of her WWE uh, career thus far. And in the end, she withstood some brutal punishment from both the Kabuki Warriors, able to tag Alexa in, hits the twisted bliss on Kyrie Sane, the cover, the count, the three, and there we have it. New women's tag team champs, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Happy for them, and as I said, especially happy to see Nikki Cross uh, steal the show and have what I thought was one of her greatest showings in the WWE thus far. Following that, we moved into match two of the night, a singles match between Elias and King Corbin. I don't know if it's just me. When I watched Corbin walk out, I had this real quick flash to like this really bad indie show. And maybe that's just my personal distaste for the King Corbin character. I don't know. I just couldn't dig it at all watching him walk out with his crown on. And, you know, we I'm an old school guy. We've got memories of, you know, King Haku being carried out to the ring and, and King Savage, the Macho King, and all the great memories attached there. Watching King Corbin walk out with fans is bad enough. Watching him walk out to an empty arena on the grandest stage of them all, WrestleMania, I just couldn't get into it. Uh, Not much else to say here. Elias gets the roll-up victory with a handful of tights. I like that. I love Elias. I think that he needs to be better utilized. Uh, I don't have the answer for that. I'm just commenting as a fan. But uh, moving forward, let's hope that we see something else happening for Elias, especially after he gets the win here over King Corbin in the second contest of WrestleMania 36. I'm a little surprised, if I'm being honest, that Gronk didn't get involved in this contest, considering he was the one who made the match. I thought that that was going to be part of the storyline, and I thought that that was going to serve uh, Rob Gronkowski in some way to get involved. But I was wrong on that. Either way, moving through, next match on the card... We have the Raw Women's Championship being defended. A singles match between the champ, the man, Becky Lynch, defending the gold against Shayna Baszler. I was looking forward to this one. And I thought that Shayna had a really good contest. I thought that she looked good. But uh, evidently, she needed to study her mania history a little bit more because she was bested in the end by the man who hit uh, who hit Shayna with that Hitman Piper type finish. Lynch securing the one, two, three, retaining the strap. And uh, I was surprised a little bit at how that all played out, especially considering that Shayna has basically decimated her way through the division as of late. And uh, I don't know what else to say about that. I was reading some rumors, of course, just the dirt sheets, but still they're out there. Some of the rumors and the dirt sheets about Vince maybe going cold on, uh, on Shayna. And maybe that's got some traction now because I don't really know how else to explain that Becky got the victory here. I, I was not expecting it, but nevertheless, your winner and still Raw Women's Champ, the man, Becky Lynch. We'll see what's on deck for her as we move forward. 
uh, into future weeks. Next contest of the Saturday night part one show was another title match. This one for the Intercontinental Championship. Sami Zayn, the champ, taking on Daniel Bryan. And I thought this was just a solid contest. Great to see these two performers uh, being given some space to, to get a few things going. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was uh, just a, a nice match put together by two professionals, two good wrestlers. And in the end, Sammy beats Daniel Bryan clean with a hell of a kick. Uh, you know, that's uh, good for Sammy. Interesting to see moving forward where they're going to take Sammy as IC champ. I see... Maybe something like a Honky Tonk Man type character, you know, throwing it back to when the Honky Tonk Man was the Intercontinental Champion and he really held on to that belt for a long while. He's very easy to hate. I think that they could really breed Sami Zayn, uh, Sami Zayn, pardon me, in that direction. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what they do. I can't stand the look of the Intercontinental title, if I'm being honest. I've tried to give it uh, a fair shot. I just, I don't like it. And... I think that it was great for the WWE to finally bring back that classic edition that was held, you know, in the 80s and 90s. Guys like Texas Tornado, Mr. Perfect, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Razor. Uh, they brought that look back. Uh, I know when The Miz was carrying it for a long time and, and past that. And it was just so great to see it back on WWE programming. And all of a sudden now, uh, for the last however many months, we've switched to that new design. And I just don't like it. Let me know what you think of it. You could shoot me a, shoot me a tweet. We have a new Twitter account, at pod at SCC pod at squared circle collection podcast. Uh, but we just abbreviate it at SCC pod. Send me what you think about the intercontinental belt uh, or about anything. Really. We're looking to, you know, get your feedback and hopefully incorporate that in future shows as we move forward with the squared circle collection podcast. Of course, we're just getting started. This is only episode two, but we're looking forward to many more in the future. Um, Let's move on, though, to the next match. Uh, enough said there about the Intercontinental Championship contest. Moving on to the fifth match of the WrestleMania card for night one. We had more gold being defended. This time, the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship being defended in a triple threat ladder match. But only featuring one guy from each of the three teams. Hey, we, we had to improvise here, right? Miz showed up sick. Uh, or that's the story, that's the way the story goes, and they had to improvise, so instead of scrapping the match, we had John Morrison representing uh, himself and The Miz, he was defending against Jimmy Uso, representing uh, the Uso uh, twins, and Kofi Kingston, who was representing The New Day. I thought this was a fun contest, as expected, some nice high spots, of course, WWE having the ability to edit as necessary, so, you know, we could assume that a few of those spots might have had to be uh, reshot, but either way, I thought they pulled off a cool little match, uh, nice high spot with Kofi getting a flying Hearn Canrana off the ladder on Morrison. I really popped for that. Uh, I think that, you know, having a, a, a crowd for a contest like this certainly would have done the match uh, some justice and the, the match would have done itself some, some more justice just because of the reactions of the high spots. But 
Either way, I still thought it was fun. I thought it was a little bit silly at the end with the spot with all three of the, of the guys unhooking the yellow hanger, getting the belts down at the same time, but then Morrison actually holding onto the straps as he was knocked off the ladder, falling onto another ladder, but again, holding onto those belts. So, you know, pulling them down and hence getting the victory on behalf of himself and Miz. So your winners and still tag team champs, John Morrison on behalf of the Miz and Morrison. Uh, moving forward, going to be interesting to see where they head with this tag team. I love them. I really like to see Morrison and Miz back together after all these years. So I'm personally hoping that they'll keep the the titles on them uh, for a while longer as we as we move forward to see what their next feud will be. Getting into the next match of the night, we've got Kevin Owens versus the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins. This one was really built uh, in a personal way. It was built up in a personal way. Uh, you know, looking back, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, both having that indie feel to them. You know, they came up through the indie ranks. Uh, that was no secret. They're very vocal about that. So just to see that personal buildup between two bona fide indie superstars who went ahead and made it big in World Wrestling Entertainment. I liked the build-up. I, I really liked uh, where it was going. I was happy to see the match unfold the way it did. A little bit stunned at first when we saw Rollins get disqualified by using the bell, laying out Owens. Uh, but of course, they quickly remedied that by turning it into a no-disqualification match, at which point I feel both performers really just up the game a little bit this of course led to owens wrestlemania moment if you will climbing the wrestlemania sign at the entranceway delivering one heck of an elbow drop off the top of the sign through a table through rollins getting him back in the ring hitting the stunner the count one two three the victory kevin owens victorious over the Monday Night Messiah. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to keep this feud going as we move forward. We'll find out soon enough. But either way, I like the the decision to go with Kevin Owens over Seth. Uh, I'm a Seth Rollins guy, but I think this one made sense to give Owens that WrestleMania moment and get him some momentum moving forward, of course. Uh, speaking of moving forward, as the night moved forward on Saturday, all of a sudden we've got a 24-7 match in the mix. We knew that was going to happen. R-Truth out there with Mojo and Gronk. Mojo Rowley getting a cover on our truth He actually threw Gronk off of our truth Gronk was looking to get the title and uh, Mojo sold out, sold out his, old, his own friend to get the cover himself. The victory, new 24-7 champ in Mojo Raleigh. Of course, if you were anything like me, you knew that it was not going to end here. And it was just a matter of time uh, until Gronkowski was going to get that cover. Um, we didn't know when it was going to happen. I figured it was going to happen at some point before the weekend was over. More on that later, though, of course. As we move into the seventh match of night one of Mania, we had... WWE Universal Championship being defended by Goldberg taking on Braun Strowman. Say what you want. I know a lot of people were not happy to see Goldberg 
in this type of uh, main event role. It is what it is. You know, he's gotten older. I think he still has some star power. Maybe it's just the nostalgia talking. I don't know. Uh, it was what it was. You know, no point in getting too upset about it. That's what WWE gave us. So we got to make the most of it. Not much else to say here. Quick match as expected. Goldberg, four spears on Strowman. Not enough to put... Um, you know, Braun away, Strowman comes back, several power slams, then a running power slam to seal the deal, the cover, the count, and new Universal Champion, Braun Strowman. Uh, Well-deserved for Braun. Unfortunately, like I alluded to at the beginning of this podcast, you know, this is one of those moments where you really wished that the crowd was there. You know, to do this in front of 80,000 plus would have been so special uh, for Braun, no doubt, to, to hold up that Universal Championship. But either way, it's still the uh, the showcase of the Immortals where legends are made and this will go in the history books. Your new Universal Champion beating Bill Goldberg, Mr. Braun Strowman. And that takes us to the last contest of night one, the Boneyard match. We were all waiting for this. The Undertaker versus AJ Styles. Of course, these two, very personal build-up leading up. I couldn't help but laugh a little bit. I think at one point, you know, in the build-up to the match, they were calling each other by their first names, which was pretty comical to me. (laughs) You know, what better firepower than to call the Undertaker Mark? And then The Undertaker responding by calling AJ Styles Allen. Uh, <laughs> some pretty pretty funny stuff there for me. But nevertheless, they built this match up. We knew it was going to be cinematic. Uh, and I think if I had to give some insight and takeaways from the match now that it's over, that's exactly what it was, friends. It was cinematic. I know that a lot of people were were saying on Twitter that they loved it. I know that an equal amount of people, or maybe less than than uh, than that, but there was a nice contingency of people saying that they didn't dig it at all. Uh, see what I did there? They didn't dig it. Uh, either way, um, I know that, for example, Al Castle from PWI, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, was vocal against the match, saying that he just didn't get it at all. But he did recognize that there were things there to like and uh, and that you know certain wrestling fans might have liked it for what it was. You know, I think I'm one of those fans who liked it. Uh, I'm a wrestling fan, and I admit that the Boneyard match was not a wrestling contest. It, it told a story, and it did it in a very unique, uh, definitely cinematic way. It was filmed a la Broken Universe, you know, think Matt Hardy. Um, personally, I think it was different. I, I, don't, I don't think I hated it at all. I don't think I loved it. I'll go on the record and say that I liked it. It was different. And, you know, A-plus for effort to everyone involved. Uh, It definitely did come across as a little bit of like a horror movie, had a campy feel to it. It was what it was. I think why I liked it so much, you know, biker taker. What else is there to say? I think that was the best part, seeing American badass taker rolling in on his bike and, and rolling out on the bike. Blaring Metallica, nonetheless. That's awesome. You, you have to love that. Uh, either way, I think this was the type of match we all saw coming. I think that Undertaker proved his point of being an original G. He buried AJ's ass, literally. It was what it was. And at the end of it all, it left hashtag biker taker as a top trend on Twitter. So people appreciated the effort. 
I am honestly one of those people and drastic times sometimes call for drastic measures. So what they did tonight, what the WWE did tonight with this match, it wasn't anything new. Again, we got to give credit to that broken universe, Matt Hardy, uh, for this type of cinematic thing. But I, I think it was new for WWE, who was looking to entertain us, tell a story, and they did. So that concluded night one. I thought it was overall better than expected it left me with hope for night two for the sunday night show um night one ended pretty much on time i didn't know what that would mean for the sunday night show of course now that the sunday night show was over we know that night two went over by about half an hour but nevertheless uh moving into night two i think that they brought it in a you know in an equally entertaining way so right now let's take a look at some of the night two uh, material starting with the pre-show we had Liv Morgan versus Natalia Tom Phillips by himself on commentary to kick things off kind of mirrored night one with Michael Cole by himself you know I was excited for this one even though I don't think there was that much of a build-up for Morgan versus Natalia uh, nevertheless you know look at this it was the first time for Natalia to have a singles match at a mania since she debuted in 2008. So I like that, you know. Uh, we had a nice contest to kick things off on night two. Nice little pre-show work done by Liv and Natalia. I love to see the old school, old-fashioned surfboard that Natty applied to Morgan. Liv, you know, sold the heck out of that. That was great. Just a nice old school move. I know that Davy Boy Smith used to lock that surfboard in. Uh, back in the day so it just brought me back uh, to those moments made me smile in the end after a back and forth roll-up contest Liv Morgan able to to get the better of Natalia with the roll-up the one the two the three huge victory for Liv arguably her biggest one to date in her singles career WWE love to see it just a nice good solid contest between two deserving uh, competitors so Thanks to Liv Morgan and Natalia for starting things off with the pre-show. As we moved into the main card for WrestleMania Night 2, kick things off right away with a title match. NXT Women's Championship on the line as the champ Rhea Ripley defending against Charlotte Flair. At this time, Tom Phillips joined by Byron Saxton at the commentary table. Of course, later in the night, they would switch off with JBL and Michael Cole, who were also on commentary duties. Uh, first thing I noticed with the with the Charlotte Flair entrance, I'm sure you did too, was the lack of entrance, uh, or should I say the lack of grand entrance from Charlotte, which is disappointing. You know, I know that Charlotte as a character, being Ric Flair's daughter, we were, you know, accustomed to big, big event entrances from the Queen. But uh, what else could we expect with the circumstances of this year? It was what it was, you know, a standard entrance for the Queen. Nevertheless, led into a high-intensity contest between the two ladies. I thought it was an excellent back and forth, really showcased the skill of both women. And in the end, the Queen adds another accomplishment to our WrestleMania resume. Charlotte Flair becomes your new NXT Women's Champion by locking in the figure eight on Ripley. This happened six years after Charlotte's first reign as NXT Women's Champ. So we've got the belt back on Charlotte, obviously showing us, uh, you know, Vince's
Alex's vision moving forward. You know, we're going to have Charlotte being a real focal point of the Wednesday night's NXT shows. Um, that's where it's at. Okay, I know that there were a lot of fans on Twitter being vocal. They weren't happy to see Charlotte win. They were saying things like, Vince is clearly not interested in the future. Uh, but, you know, I-, I think I'm okay with this. I think I'm good with this victory. I think that we're going to see, you know, Charlotte uh, taking on the NXT locker room for the next several months. Uh, that sounds interesting to me. I think that it could really help. WWE with their Wednesday night NXT ratings, which have become quite coveted now, you know, whether whether we admit it or not, we, we could pretend that AEW doesn't exist if we're in the WWE universe, but it's not the case. AEW, uh, you know, getting better ratings than NXT on Wednesday night. So now we've got the queen firmly planted in the uh, NXT universe as the women's champ, and we'll see where that goes moving forward. The first thing that came to my mind was, hey, little Bianca Belair Charlotte gonna maybe be happening. That's that's definitely what went through my mind as soon as I saw Charlotte pick up the win and secure uh, the title for a second time, the NXT title. Moving on to the next match of the Sunday night, we had Aleister Black versus Bobby Lashley being accompanied to the ring by Lana. You know, standard singles match. Highlight of the match for me, if I'm being honest, was Aleister's entrance gear. Very metal, very badass. You know, just a standard nice contest between the two men. Alistair hits the black mass out of nowhere when Lashley's going for the spear, the cover, the count. Clean win for Alistair Black over Bobby Lashley. And not much more to say about that. As we move into the next contest, which was a little bit more uh, backstory, a nice little soap opera feel to it. Of course, I'm talking about Otis, who would be taking on Dolph Ziggler, uh, being accompanied to the ring by uh, Sonya Deville. Of course, if you were following the build-up to Mania, you know, so many people rooting for Otis you know, trying to get the girl, Mandy Rose, the beautiful Mandy Rose. And there was a lot of meddling, for lack of a better word, by uh, Mandy's friend, Sonia, by Dolph, making things very, very rough for Otis and Mandy. Why? Because, of course, Dolph wants Mandy um, or whatever else. I mean, maybe I even got lost somewhere in the soap opera goodness of that storyline. But either way, this was billed as a very personal matchup. And uh, in the end, I'm sure many of us, as we saw it coming, Mandy Rose's music hits. She makes her presence felt at ringside, comes in, takes a, you know, a few shots, throwing bombs on Sonya. And then when the referee's not looking, delivers the low blow to Dolph. Otis gets the chance to capitalize with the Caterpillar, the cover, the three count. Otis gets the win. And gets the girl. What a WrestleMania for Otis. He picks her up, gives her a nice big sweaty smooch, and all's well that ends well for Otis and Mandy Rose. Uh, We'll see what's going to happen with this pairing as we move forward. But for uh, night two of WrestleMania, we raise our glasses to Otis, who pulled it off. The win and the girl in Mandy Rose. Midway through Sunday night. Uh, the announcers say, coming up next, Edge and Randy Orton. I was a little bit shocked by this, I think, at first. Maybe I just didn't see it happening so fast in the evening. But match number four, 
On the docket, it was Edge versus Randy Orton in a very personal last man standing match. We knew that this was going to, you know, sprawl out of the ring and and take us on a tour of the Performance Center, which is exactly what the contest did. I worry that maybe, you know, it would have been nice to have a little more in the ring or to have returned to the ring or I don't know. I think at one point I found myself, you know, enjoying the contest the whole way through. I mean, we've got Edge back in singles competition for the first time in years. And uh, Edge, I hope you would agree with me, one of the greatest of, of this generation, you know, to do to do what he does uh, to perform for us. So don't get me wrong. I loved every second of seeing Edge back, especially performing against Orton, also one of the greatest of the generation. But I think I can see what people, you know, are commenting about in terms of it would have been nice to maybe get the action back into the ring. Maybe it got a little monotonous with the backstage environments. But either way, it, it was designed to be that way. Very personal contest to legends just beating the hell out of each other and uh, not too much commentary going on I found throughout the match uh, didn't add any type of additional excitement I guess maybe they wanted the match to speak for itself uh, which I think it did you know I think that that ending you know when we really break it down Edge stopping the ref from from counting out an unconscious Orton you know mid count saying get the f out and then basically breaking down into tears holding on to the steel chair, looking down at his uh, former best friend and, you know, with tears in his eyes, hitting the concerto on Orton and keeping him down for the 10 count. A very poignant moment. I think that's a good way to describe it. It was very poignant. I dug it. I dug it totally. And as I said, just what a moment to have Edge back after all these years looking good. Uh, looking better, I think, than ever in terms of the shape he's in. I think if you're anything like me, there were a few times in the contest you probably winced, you know, some of the bumps Edge took. You're just thinking, my God, please don't let this be how it ends. Uh, Very scary stuff with Edge being back. You know, we're excited he's back. I'm a little nervous as well, but this was a moment that we all wanted to see. It was a moment that Edge deserved, that Adam Copeland, you know, as a human and as someone who's given everything to our business uh, that he deserved. And we were the lucky ones who got to watch it unfold. So kudos to Randy and Edge for putting on that contest. It was brutal. It was grueling as we expected. And in the end, a tearful Edge delivering the concerto to get the uh, the knockout victory, uh, last man standing uh, victory over Randy Orton. So great way to, to keep the show moving. Mid card, I loved it. Um, at this point, you know, of course, we, we go back to a little silliness. Mojo's being chased around the arena by a bunch of guys. This is just the, the nature of the 24-7 thing. And in all of that, here it is. We were waiting for this since night one. Gronkowski leaps off his little host podium, does a, a body dive, like a body surfing dive onto all the guys in the process, covering Mojo, the cover, the count, your new 24-7 champion mo <laughs> your new 24 7 champion beating mojo we got mr rob gronkowski the gronk you 24 7 champ uh i don't even i don't even think there's anything else to say about that we just knew it was gonna happen and i'm sure it's just a matter of time till our truth gets uh gets as what 
702nd, 24-7 title reign. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Nonetheless, more, more championships on the line as we move into the next match of the Sunday night card. We got a tag team uh, championship match for the Raw tag team titles. Street Profits defending against Austin Theory and Angel Garza. You know, it was a fun quick match here, I think, between the two teams. Street Profits picking up the victory. Uh, I think the real story was what happened after the bell. A real nice touch having Bianca Belair, who is... Um, the EST of NXT, but also the wife of, of Montez Ford from the Street Profits. She comes in and, and beats up Zelina Vega. And I know what a lot of the fans were thinking at this point. You know, I, I think there was a collective gasp upon realizing, wait a minute, does this mean Bianca is on the main roster now? Which is exciting, but we were all just getting a we were all just getting pumped about an hour and a half ago with with Charlotte winning the NXT title maybe a little Charlotte Bianca feud in NXT and now does this signal that we're not going to get that um I, I don't know i could see i could see the the panic about that but instead of looking at it that way i mean why not think about if if Bianca is is in the the main card picture, maybe we're now getting to look forward to Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Title. Who knows? Uh, I think interesting stuff ahead. It's a real cool seed that's been planted, and we'll see where WWE takes things. Um, with this uh, with this done, we we get a quick little look at our new host of WrestleMania 36. Titus O'Neil will be hosting the rest of the show because Gronk is well. I'm sure out uh, not only celebrating as Gronk could do, but just trying to avoid you know any of the any of the guys who were in it for the 24 7 championship trying to avoid getting pinned uh for the rest of the night so with that titus o'neill here uh being the host you know just a quick little a quick little time to to recognize this two nights of mania i think a good thing that's coming from it is we're getting to see so much of the talent have an opportunity to be on camera and to to showcase themselves even if it's in a little a little bit part it was still nice to see so many faces over the two nights of wrestlemania but nevertheless with titus o'neill our new host for the remainder of the festivities we move into match number six of night two We've got Bailey defending her SmackDown women's title against four other competitors, Lacey Evans, Naomi, Tamina, and of course, Sasha Banks. We all knew where this one was going. Um, I thought personally, maybe Bailey, Sasha was going to last uh, to the end, and then we were going to get to see these two quote unquote BFFs battle it out. You know, think of their legendary takeover contest from back, uh, way back when. Um, you know, we know that there's a lot of hinting going on here. This friendship is not as solid as it seems to be, but, you know, kudos to WWE for, for adding more fuel to the fire. Of course, uh, Sasha did not last to the end with Bailey. Instead, she was pinned by Lacey Evans, and that left Lacey and Bailey to be the last two uh, competitors in the match, keeping in mind that Bailey did nothing to help Sasha from not being pinned. So, you know, the, the more cracks in the foundation here between Bailey and Sasha Banks. Nevertheless, uh, just as it looked that Lacey was going to get the, the win, Sasha comes back into the ring and, surprise, surprise, hits 
Lacey with a backstabber, helping out her friend Bailey. Bailey getting the cover, the count, the victory, and still SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey. All seems to be patched up for now between Sasha Banks and Bailey, but you and I both know this one is far from over. This is clearly going to be something moving forward. It's just a matter of time until Sasha and Bailey finally experience that split and yet again go at it in a title contest for the ages. Uh, and I personally can't wait to see those two get their moment in the sun once again together in the squared circle. So with that said, we now transition to the second last match of the night, which, uh, whew, where do we go with this? We've got John Cena, we've got The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and we've got a Firefly Funhouse match. We don't know what else is going to happen here, uh, but we knew again, much like the Boneyard match, this was likely to be cinematic, very visual, especially with this being pre-taped. We knew that the WWE and the performers and John and, and Bray were going to get to do some fun things with this. Uh, but seriously, even, even knowing all of that, I don't think any of us could have predicted what type of visual spectacle we were, you know, we were getting primed for. There, there's cinematic and then there's the Firefly Funhouse match that we all got on night two of WrestleMania 36. I just really don't think any of us saw, saw this coming. But I think that it was the match that we all needed. And uh, maybe I'm going to take a little bit of heat for this one. Allow me to explain. Um, but I think I'm going to take some heat. There was probably, you know, a portion of fans that absolutely did not buy into what transpired with the Firefly Funhouse match. Again, I know that, um, you know, a very vocal person from uh, PWI, Al Castle, flat out saying that there was just, he could not get this one at all. If he didn't like the Boneyard match, he hated this one. Uh, and it almost seemed like he and some other, you know, watchers of the show, fans of the show were saying that this just was not a wrestling contest. And I get that. Uh, this was not a wrestling contest. In fact, there was very little wrestling that happened. But it wasn't being billed as a wrestling match. It was a Firefly Funhouse match. And we know that that buildup with Bray, you know, leading to where he then got beat by Goldberg um, in front of the Saudi Arabia crowd. And then now we're kind of like, what's what's next for Bray and The Fiend? I think this was the match that needed to happen to reestablish The Fiend as the dominant force. And not only did it reestablish him, but it reestablished him in just this cool walkthrough of, of WWE history, all of these recreations of old school WWE, WWF moments that I just thought John and Bray did, did a heck of a job. Uh, production did a heck of a job going through. You know, this, this match started simple enough. John Cena coming down the aisle into the performance center ring. That kind of threw me for a loop because I was expecting some visual stuff. I, I didn't know what was happening with John coming down physically to the performance center ring. And then that's where all hell broke loose, right? Cue the Firefly Funhouse music. Cue a teleportation, if you will, of John Cena into the screen. He's now out of the ring. He's into Bray's Funhouse. And he walks through the door 
to go meet Bray, and this is where it all, this is where it all transpires. Um, let's try to find the words to discuss this. So basically, Cena walks through the door of the Firefly Funhouse, and now we're we're going through a dream sequence. Okay, stay with me. We're going through a dream se- sequence, starting with the ruthless aggression angle that was uh, John Cena coming out in those little tight shorts to challenge Angle, right? When Angle was saying, well, what, what makes you the guy? Well, what do you have that you're going to beat an Olympic gold medalist and champ like me? And, and Cena delivers his classic, I've got ruthless aggression line. They went back to this in current day though. So Bray's in the ring in the in the spot of of angle and current day John Cena walks out with his hair and everything and just that same little gitch on that he had on all those years ago when he walked out and did the whole the whole ruthless aggression thing so if that's not enough you're trying to wrap your head around that and all of a sudden we teleport further back into the 80s we've got Saturday night's main event footage complete with an emotions obsession playing as the theme okay and they recreate an old school promo with bray and john cena doing their thing sort of behind a steel cage uh, backdrop then we switch to the next dream sequence which is the old smackdown fist at the entranceway and john cena's coming out as the doctor of thugonomics we go back uh, to another g- dream sequence with bray wyatt doing the whole cult gimmick from you know five six years ago and then things really take a turn we get a new promo being cut not just for monday nitro wcw but my friends for nwo monday nitro complete with black and white coloring and bray wyatt in the ring with the leather coat doing a whole Eric Bischoff impersonation while John Cena comes out with the title playing the whole Hollywood Hogan type character, which I thought was a nice little nod to the heel turn that has eluded John Cena all these years. Um, All while this is all happening, we've got a puppet Vince McMahon doing commentary saying, this is such good shit, which uh, was so meta. I I popped like crazy for that. If anybody's following the inside uh, of the business, you know, that was a nice slap back to John Moxley and all the trash he's been talking as of late about the way Vince ran things and, you know, calling everything such good shit. And, uh, you know, what Mox is saying, Vince is so out of touch with things. So I thought that was a nice little nod uh, nod to uh, to Vince and uh, and I just thought it was fun very meta like I said uh, and then while all this is going on finally the fiend shows up we're back in the ring real time hits Cena with the mandible claw and that's it okay put Cena down your winner I'm assuming I don't know if they actually called it the winner but your winner of this contest the fiend Bray Wyatt he uh, he dominates over Cena in a match, if that's what we're going to call it, in a match that was so, uh, so very Firefly Funhouse, such something that that should have happened for Bray, and uh, and Bray's able to put those demons to rest from his last WrestleMania encounter with John Cena. You know, if I, as I think about it now, I think the best way to liken this this Firefly Funhouse match is to sort of like a you know, speaking of cinematic qualities, it had like a Nightmare on Elm Street vibe, uh, except, you know, instead of Freddy Krueger, we had The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. And and honestly, for my opinion, I dug it. 
I'm not going to lie, you know, it wasn't a wrestling contest, but it was the contest that this type of match needed to be all things considered. And I think that, you know, as an old school fan, I can remember being a kid in the 80s and the 90s when, you know, the Undertaker and the supernatural stuff when he first came into the uh, the Federation. You know, thinking back to Papa Shango and his voodoo curses, for example, on the Ultimate Warrior making him throw up all that green stuff, you know, that type of that type of quality I feel was somewhere present in this 2020 rendition of of WrestleMania for WrestleMania 36. I think that any of the fans who who give it a negative sort of feedback, maybe they were expecting more wrestling or maybe it was just a little too silly for, for them. I don't know. But for me, I think it was a gimmick match to begin with and they went all in on it. I think that they went over the top. I think that they delivered in a creative way and, you know, matched or probably exceeded the Boneyard match. I don't know. That's my my opinion. I loved it. I would love to hear from you uh, what you think. Just tweet us at, once again, at SCCPod. Uh, and and let us know what what you thought because we would love to interact with you and and chat as a bunch of wrestling fans uh, about the the good bad and the ugly of WrestleMania especially with the 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 big matches like this that had that real cinematic feel so either way Bray like I said getting the victory over Cena and uh, and it was what it was my friends that led us to the last match of the night at this point we were in overrun past ten o'clock. Brock Lesnar, the champion, defending against Drew McIntyre in a singles matchup for the WWE Championship. I think we all figured this wasn't going to go long, and it didn't. It was short. It was sweet. It was predictable. uh, And that's okay, right? You know, McIntyre kicking out of not one, not two, uh, not three, I believe four F5s, and, and then delivering... A bunch of Claymores to Brock Lesnar. I believe, again, it took four Claymores. And that was it. The cover, the count, the victory, the winner of this contest, and new WWE Champion, Drew McIntyre, getting his WrestleMania moment, getting to host the most prestigious belt in WWE history, um, you know, high above his head, and and it was it was good to see. I'm happy to see that. I'm not a big Brock guy uh, for various reasons. Not looking to knock anyone uh, for the most part. I I really dislike any type of champ who doesn't show up all the time, and I don't particularly care for Suplex City all the time in a match, and that's it. Um, <laughs> I like I like much more to my wrestling matches. Hey, that's just my opinion. But uh, I'm happy to see the belt off of Brock going to Drew. Again, I just wish this would have happened in front of uh, 80,000 plus fans. You know, it's, it's again just a reminder that we're thankful the WrestleMania card happened. We're, we're definitely feeling the lack of fans when it comes to those moments of hoisting the belt up, whether it was Braun holding up the Universal Championship or whether it was on night two, Drew McIntyre holding up the WWE Championship. Uh, I think, you know, I'm sure it was very special uh, moments for those guys, but I think it just would have been next level and indescribable to do that in the stadium uh, in front of the Tampa audience, a worldwide audience at Raymond James Stadium 
And uh, it's too bad that that didn't work out. But nevertheless, as we wrap things up, you know, a few more takeaways from this. We had two nights of entertainment, honest to goodness. And I think that if anybody's going to complain about that, well, there's no pleasing you, right? Uh, we, we live in a world right now with there's bigger fish to fry. We've got a pandemic on our hands. And I'm just thankful that Vince and company, you know, stepped up. The performers, the whole, the whole crew, everybody involved, they stepped up and they gave us not one, but two solid nights of entertainment. And I think as fans, we won. Um, you know, hated certain matches, loved certain matches, where, wherever you fall, I think we just have to be thankful for these WrestleMania memories, which will, you know, undoubtedly be etched in the annals of history. And, and it was what it was. Again, with my only complaint being that uh, some of the performers did not get to enjoy their big WrestleMania moments in front of the fans. But nevertheless, I think the talent brought it. Two solid nights of entertainment. So thank you to WWE for the wonderful weekend of, of entertainment and for doing what you do best, which is entertain. And as Triple H says, put smiles on our faces. So looking ahead, what's next? Uh, we know that the Raw after Mania has already been filmed. Uh, so it looks like that's going to go ahead and air uh, Monday night, right? That's always tr- traditionally just as big as the Mania or like the next biggest thing. I don't know what WWE can do with their limited resources and the close set, uh, what they filmed to make the the, the Raw after Mania so big or, or what it's going to look like. But we know we're going to get that show. Uh, there was some talk in the dirt sheets about how Money in the Bank pay-per-view on May 10th wasn't going to happen as planned. I think that made some people panic or just automatically assume that the show was canceled no not happening as planned i think just meant that it's not happening in the original arena it was supposed to happen but it was confirmed uh, during mania weekend with a promo that the money in the bank pay-per-view at least at this time is scheduled to go ahead and be streamed on the wwe network on may 10th so it'll be interesting to see whether it's on raw um after mania and then moving forward with the raws and smackdowns if those are still happening what the buildup will be toward money money in the bank uh, none of us really know and i don't think it's fair to speculate uh, but i think one thing we can maybe speculate on again moving forward bianca belair's transition to the main roster if she can't fight charlotte in nxt i'm all for a belair lynch um you know, a Bel Air Lynch card uh, moving forward, you know, a series of fights between the two ladies battling for that Raw Women's Championship. I think a program between Becky and Bianca is something that we all deserve. And I think it's going to be great. And the last takeaway, and I would love to get your feedback on this moving forward. I don't know if I'm the only one who's thinking this, but they say that, you know, in times of in, in trying times is where you see what you're made of and you might even overcome with something new uh, to, to take forward with you. And WWE has done this in the past, right? When they were getting their ass kicked in the ratings war for whatever it was, 83 weeks, right? It brought out the best of them and they moved forward with a better product. I'm wondering, and maybe this is just the optimist in me, I'm wondering what WWE is going to take moving forward from this past weekend, WrestleMania 36, into WrestleMania 37 and beyond. Uh, Is it possible, I'm just throwing it out there, is it possible that we see two-night 
WrestleManias, like back to back, like a Saturday, Sunday live WrestleMania show for 37 and beyond happening like in the stadium in front of the fans. Um, or, or is that going to be a logistical nightmare? I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of problems that go with that, but I think that there's something to be said about moving forward if mania is broken up into sort of a Saturday, Sunday, three hour ish, you know, and then three hour ish show, you know, that's six hours of content. But I mean, in, in recent years, we've been getting like five, six hours of live mania on Sunday, which was like overkill. Uh, you know, I, I always I'm a huge wrestling fan and I would find it too much in one shot. Maybe it would be something moving forward. Maybe the WWE is going to look at having two nights worth of events. Uh, for WrestleMania, seeing, you know, a great deal of the talent being able to be showcased across, you know, two separate three-hour shows. I know that we have other things to take into consideration moving forward. You know, this year, we didn't have the Hall of Fame. That was postponed. So in future years, we have to assume, you know, Hall of Fame might be on Saturdays as it has, as it has traditionally been, and NXT TakeOver on the Friday. So I get it, okay? I'm not looking to jump the gun. I'm not making any suggestions or trying to spread rumors. I'm just thinking that out of the storm that was this pandemic closing off everything, for WrestleMania 36, I'm wondering what kind of doors uh, the WWE has been able to open for itself. That's all. So again, I would love to chat with you about that. Hit us up on Twitter at SCCPod. And uh, we're going to look forward to chatting with all of you about these results from WrestleMania 36 and moving forward to what's to come. And of course, doing what we do best here at the Squared Circle Collection, lots more old school wrestling content to be discussed, to be shared with all of you. So until then, please take good care of yourselves. We hope that you enjoyed WrestleMania 36 uh, for all that it was worth. Once again, shout out and thank you and kudos to all of the WWE fans family for putting forward such a great entertaining weekend as for when the next podcast will be not so sure but keep it locked to the twitter account for more announcements probably some classic content coming your way i'd also like to start getting some special guests on the show so that we can have a little back and forth banter but we'll make more announcements about that uh, soon until then Take good care of one another. Let's continue to wash our hands. Stay safe. Stay at home, people. Let's rise above. Lay the smack down on the coronavirus. Give it a good body slam. Send it over the top rope. Leg drop it. Rock bottom it. Give it the old stunner and a double middle finger. I don't care what you want to do. Personally, I like to lock it in the sharpshooter. I think we should put it in a good old-fashioned submission hold and uh, let it scream mercy and cry uncle. And we will rise above. All right, my friends. All the best to you. Take good care. Pro wrestling forever. This has been your host with the most, MJR, for the Squared Circle Collection. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye for now. The Squared Circle Collection. An Arden Sports Incorporated production.